0: Patrick, you and I are experiencing a rare moment right now for us. We are recording an intro in person next to each other, which hard, I don't
1: know if we've ever done before. No, it's hard to believe, and what a pleasure it is to actually <laughs> be somewhere amongst people and, uh, and seeing you eye to eye to do this. Well, you did say we are amongst people, and I think that's important to bring up. Patrick, you and I are both
0: at CleoCon with over 3,000 other attorneys for what is probably
1: now the largest conference in legal tech. It, it really is, and the beauty of this is that this is in some ways one giant tribe. There's one thing that brings all of us here together for uh, ClioCon, and, and I know that Jack Newton, who we'll be talking with later, would say it's because of Clio, but I'm gonna say it's something larger. It's because these are lawyers who are all attracted to innovation. They understand there's a huge opportunity in this world uh, to, to work for more clients, take care of more clients, to bridge the access justice gap, and the key, The key, Joey, is innovation, 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 and that's what key is being handed out to everybody at this conference. Well, you're right, and we are gonna talk with uh, Jack and Ed today. We are gonna finish up
0: the second part of our conversation that we recorded with them a few months back, and it is gonna be all about how embracing an innovative mindset, is what we're here to do. And it's incredible to see this many attorneys. This has got to be the most people I've seen, even ABA Annual wasn't this many
1: people. And we're looking at over 3,000 here, which is incredible. It really goes to show that there is a palpable, actual, physical change going on with the practice of law, that these 3,000 lawyers that are here today aren't about status quo. They aren't about doing the same old thing. They recognize that their business opportunity is expanding with innovation and opportunity and that this market opens up those doors for them. And anybody who's sitting in yesterday's law firm practicing their grandfather's law is losing the market because the market's changing. Let me just say this. This is a quote from Jack Newton this morning. He said, if law was a startup, would we be able to run this company called law? And here's what he's, Said, he said, uh, it would see that it's not producing the product the market wants and needs, right? There's not a good market fit here right now because, you know, 70 to 80% of the people aren't being served. So we need to change our market. We need to change our mechanisms. And I can't wait. And this is such a great interview we had with Ed Walters and, and Jack Newton talking about the ways that all the lawyers in our country can come together and bridge the access justice gap and thrive and survive with innovation and opportunity that's at their hands, that's being explored at this conference today. Well, we're gonna dive right in here.
0: Let's get to the show. Welcome to the ABA Center for Innovation's Innovation Network Podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding and highlighting the opportunities of the future of law and bringing them into your legal practice today. We will explore new partnerships, unforeseen successes, and reveal the blueprints that are already being used to develop the future of legal. Along this journey, our guests will challenge you to let go of the status quo and dare to imagine a legal economy where creativity and collaboration are the fuel and your new ability to serve every person with a legal need is your financial reward. And now, here are your hosts for the Innovation Network podcast, Joey Gartner and Patrick Pallas.
2: Ed, you remind me of one quote from Seth Godin at the Clio Cloud conference a couple of years ago and he 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 just summarized all of this in one sentence as he has an amazing ability to do but when he was talking about building empathy for your customer, your client at the end of the day, he he just made the simple point that nobody ever wakes up with a billable hour problem. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. And and think about what's the actual to the point you were making earlier, Ed, what is the actual problem? What's the three quarter inch hole that we can we can solve for our clients? And if you work backward from that, right, like if I offer a little bit of value for free, the clients that come back to me are, are going to be hugely um, pre-qualified for one and already, uh, you know, Putting their hand up saying they want my services i'm not trying to talk anyone into becoming a client they want to become a client so i i think it's another great example of how you can help customers through that journey think about the entire problem journey think about the entire emotional journey they're going through build empathy for that and figure out what's the lowest friction way that you can step in there and start providing value for them and then pull them along as you help advance them through the the resolution of that problem yeah that's right
1: You know, we as lawyers have a bit of an an, an image problem, or at least our lens maybe needs some adjusting as well, right? Like something like 45% of um, people who have a legal problem don't recognize it as a legal problem. Right. And then there's another group, uh, that simply doesn't see the justice system as a system that's going to treat them fairly. Why hire a lawyer? Why go to court when large chunks of population think they're not going to be served? And the, 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 the Justice Gap Report you know, breaks that down by you know, income level of whether you think the system's going to help you or protect you or has a bias against you. And, and you know, most people in that income group think that the system isn't going to serve them. So my my question to you is how, as lawyers, do we break through those barriers?
3: I think the first thing is really, you know, sort of understanding uh, what the problems are and what those outcomes are likely to be. You know, and again, like we're, as a profession, like lawyers are really smart people and uh, we tend to view new things critically, but old things uncritically. If someone pitched us version of legal services that only helped 20 percent of people we would say there's a huge problem with that suggestion if someone pitched us the idea that we would offer legal advice because we're licensed in a state but have no experience and no data about solutions or outcomes we would say there's a huge problem with that you know our critical brains would say that won't work if someone pitched us those services just blind and Hope the best, and put as many hours against it as I feel are merited, and just send you a bill at the end. I mean, our answer is no. We're not going to do that. This is why lawyers typically hate the experience of hiring lawyers. Well, and you have this example
1: of, of, you know, buying a lobster at, you know, the hourly rate, right? As an example of how much risk that we put on our consumers, on our on our clients, that makes legal too risky. I'm not going to use them because there's too much risk there, right? Yeah, so it,
3: it, the thought experiment is imagine you go to a restaurant and there's lobster on the menu and you want lobster and the lobster is listed at market price. And you ask the server, you know, how much does the market price for lobster tonight? And the server says it depends. You know, it depends on the temperature of the water we pulled it out of and the route that the truck driver takes to the restaurant tonight, the spot price of natural gas that we use to cook the lobster and... You know, if you, uh, we've got this master chef in the back who is a specialist at cooking lobster, but if you want to save some money, there's a kind of a dishwashing apprentice in the back who can take some of that for you and you know, do a lot of the prep to save you some money. But don't worry, like the price will be on the final bill. Nobody would ever order lobster, right? Even if they wanted lobster, they would order steak or chicken or something else. If all of the prices on the menu were market price in that way, nobody would ever go to the restaurant, right? The only people who'd go to the restaurant were the wealthiest or most risk averse people in the world. And that is our restaurant as a profession. The only people who go to legal services for help, the only people who consult lawyers are either the wealthiest or the most risk averse people. And as Jack said before, we sort of treat this as an exogenous problem. But of course, you know, the, the problem in a lot of cases isn't the price of legal services, it's the risk. No one knows at the start of the engagement how much it's going to cost. And so even people who could afford it, people who would like to hire a lawyer, don't do it because they have all of the risk in that scenario, just like the diner does with the market price lobster. And so I think we should worry less about the unauthorized practice of law and worry more about the unauthorized practice of lobster law. We're getting in our own way. (laughs) And, and consumer expectations are changing, right? I mean, I
1: like, let's say you, you order a Domino's pizza today, and not only do you know the exact price, and you can pick it on a menu, and you can pick one that you like, and you can do it online, and you know exactly what it costs, but they're going to tell you how long it's going to be before it's delivered, and you can watch your delivery guy in real time drive down the street and come to your house and know when he's going to be there. And if I mean, you have where? four starving kids in your house
3: when
0: that's happening, it's the greatest tool known to man.
3: Right. <laughs> right. But that's not a pizza service, right? That's a data service. That's an expectations service. The product is pizza, but the product has also settled expectations about how long it's going to take and how much it's going to cost. Like There were ride-sharing apps for taxis before Uber. But the, the, the big change for Uber was before you leave, you know how much it's gonna cost and how long it's gonna take and when someone's gonna to arrive to pick you up. And all of that information changes the risk profile. So, you know, I, I think it's easy to say, you know, we can't make uh, legal services into Uber or pizza delivery. And I don't think we should try to, but every place where we can de-risk legal services from the perspective of the client, makes legal services more client-centered in the way Jack talks about and makes more p- people excited about uh, retaining a lawyer to help them with legal problems.
2: I was just gonna say, I, I think the Domino's example is a really excellent one as we think about, you know, another another one of these important concepts, which is, you know, look at the end of the day, a lot of legal services are relatively fungible, right? In the sense that, you know, a consumer can go to one lawyer, or the lawyer across the street and get something that is roughly equivalent. Let's say you're, you're looking for a will, and this is maybe not true in high-end litigation, but you know if, if you talk about most consumer areas, even most of the more um, transactional kind of business uh, areas of law, th- this is true. And, and what a lot of lawyers like to think is, I'm gonna differentiate myself by doing wills better than anyone else. You know, So number one, very hard to actually prove that objectively. Number two, many states, most states prohibit you from even stating anything remotely resembling you're the the best at anything. And this point around Domino's is, is kind of an interesting parallel, where again, you know, you're, you're probably ambivalent about which specific pizza place you're gonna feed your kids with, right? Like it's it's one yes, of two very or three, much so. right? Right? Like it, you're you're ordering from one of th- three or four places. Again, relatively fungible, a little bit of a commodity, but this. Experience layer that Domino's has built around the process of ordering their pizza is the thing that will actually build real loyalty and actually build a real differentiator for the law firm. And that is actually relatively trivial to do relative to, for example, being objectively the best wills and estates lawyer uh, in the country. Go and build this kind of, you know, like relatively small investment around how you can level up your customer experience and you will you will become massively differentiated in the market. You will see five star reviews hitting your Google My Business webpage with people talking about you know Patrick I remember you t- telling a story about things you've done in your law firm along these lines of you know a text message to let you know that your settlement check has arrived right just re- really like kind of small things that wasn't a million dollar investment for you to deploy that service but something that you know people want to know the minute their check is there and you built a service to let them know that in a in a low friction way you've built chat bots on your website that right. make make you more accessible and so on so it gets those kinds of. Bot. I'm not mistaken. You're right. You're right. Uh, uh, exactly. And, and that kind of innovation, I think, is is the kind that will, will truly let you stand apart. Even something as simple as, you know, offer an inline in, intake form on your website. Allow your clients to intake themselves rather than forcing them to, to phone your law office. Really small things like that can help you meet your clients where they are and and, and build this highly differentiated experience. So we're into the speed rounds
1: and we only have minutes. So this is this is the succinct time for both of you. I have two really important questions that I, that I wanna talk about and, and they're big ones. So I'm sorry, but here we go, ready? And I can't go through a, a podcast without asking you about AI. We just finished doing a podcast about justice tech and the cool tools that are out there to help lawyers, to help consumers. And uh, I, 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 I have to, give you a moment to address you know ai as a as a justice tech tool as a tool for lawyers to be able to access these markets
3: well i think one of the things that is going to be successful to to reach the latent market is to change the engagement model from one to one to one to many and whether it's ai or other kinds of software we're going to have to use software to deliver legal services at scale and that could be run by venture capitalists or the big 4 or you know god knows who but i really think it's going to work best if it's law firms who are offering it and so software if we're going to if we're going to do this at scale there aren't enough hours or pro bono hours to scale if we're going to meet consumers where they live in the ways we've been talking about software is going to be have, is going to have to be a part of it um, i don't need to make robot lawyer stories about it i'll just say that there are a million ways that we can automate the work that we're doing uh, you know, Fastcase has a, a number of kind of uh, platforms that make lawyers a little more scalable and a little more perfect in their in their kind of practice when they do high volume. And I think that's really the only way we're going to be able to scale what we're doing today and reach that latent market.
1: So here's the last last really big question for you, gentlemen. Um, you're king for a day, um, and we get to change regulations i often say and, and and think that our regulations even though they may have been created for a good purpose you know to protect clients they end up being a bit of a, a barrier or a prison wall around us that stop us from really being able to provide the services to clients the way we need to 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 really um find scale and to find success and to get into this latent market that's out there so you're king for a day what do you want to change? Where do you think the biggest changes and quickest changes should come in in our regulatory system?
3: Jackie, yeah, you want to start?
2: Yeah, happy to. I I, I think there's you know some really interesting and enlightening developments in states like arizona and utah with these these sandboxes and i think number one we're seeing uh the, the world is not ending we're, we're able to you know iterate and introduce things like non-lawyer ownership uh in a way that um will help advance the uh the reach of the profession and help bridge this access to justice gap i i think when we think about the one of the trickiest things, I think, I think there's two things that really hold the legal profession back, Patrick. You, you know, we we touched on it earlier, but the fact it's such a precedent-driven profession, I think, really embeds this this aversion to risk that is is really tough to overcome. I think one of the ways we do that is by one of the ways we reduce that is by allowing external capital into the, into the the industry, and I, I really don't see any downside to that. And and if there's business models that are going to be successful, we're going to see VCs come in, we're going to see other types of investors come in and put capital into this industry. And the, the, the second kind of endemic problem I see is that virtually every law firm is run with all the income and expenses netting out to zero in a year. You know, they, they pay out their partnership and they don't make any kind of long-term investments or even medium-term investments partners are hesitant to invest in, in 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 many cases investments in things that are 2 or 3 years off and and we need to be willing to make investments that might not pay off for a decade and in in places that we've seen really breakthrough innovation uh, like let's look at e-commerce and what Jeff Bezos has done with Amazon he's investing with a multi-year time horizon on virtually everything that he does and we need to see the legal profession able to um, move in that direction and and that's maybe you asked us to be succinct so maybe I'll pause there I've got a lot more to say but I feel like that could be a podcast of its own and I'll I'll turn it over to Ed Ed Walters king for a day where what, what do you do I agree with
3: everything Jack said and I think that one of the just to tie back everything we've said in this podcast, one of the biggest regulations that we're battling against right now is between the ears of lawyers. We are regulating ourselves with a fixed mindset. And if, I, if you look at the brands we're talking about today, Starbucks, Domino's, Netflix, these are all brands that changed the, the idea of what's being sold here. It's not that Domino's Pizza was the best pizza in the world. They just realized that part of the product had to be the delivery time. You know, Uber wasn't like a better taxi service necessarily. It just changed what the product was, to say that know-ability around that trip was an important attribute for travelers. You know, Starbucks didn't necessarily even have the best coffee in the world. They just realized that convenience and locality to where you were, walkability, was like an important attribute, to the ability to drive through and get your coffee. You know, and so the, the I, I agree that liberalizing the regulations will make a huge difference. But uh, if Blockbuster had realized that the the product that they were trying to sell wouldn't be... Uh, better served by self-rewinders for the plastic cassettes when they were returned, but would be uh, served better by unlimited choice and the availability of every movie that you would want and good recommendations after the last movie that you watched, uh, then they could have owned that market. They could have reached the latent market and been way more successful. And our profession is having a blockbuster moment. You know, we can create faster rewinders to do the same thing we're doing 2% better, or we can realize that we're not selling the product that the market wants to buy. Four out of five people in this market want to buy a different product and we can offer it, but it requires a change of mindset, not plastic rewinders, but unlimited streaming and great recommendations. And so that's that's the regulation. You know, on top of everything that Jack said, I want to change the regulation of ourselves, the mindset regulation that we're imposing on ourselves. We're smart people. We ought to be able to figure this out.
1: That is such a great way for us to end this uh, program. Gentlemen, Jack Newton, and Walters. it's such a pleasure. Thank you for joining me for uh, some legal coffee today and, and having this time uh, to chat. It's been an honor and a pleasure, and I hope we can do it again uh, sometime soon.
2: Yeah, Patrick, Joy, thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Well, thank
0: you both so much for joining us here on the Innovation Network today. As always, you can follow the Center for Innovation at ABA Innovation on Twitter. And don't forget to share this episode out on social media using the hashtag ABACIN. The Innovation Network is a production from the American Bar Association, the Center for Innovation. Opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the ABA. Editing for the Innovation Network is performed by Ben Woodson and Joey Gartner.